The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. A Course in Miracles began with the sudden decision of two people to join in a common goal. Their names were Helen Schuchman and William Thetford. Professors of Medical Psychology at Columbia University's College of Physicians and Surgeons in New York City. It doesn't really matter who they were, except that the story shows that with God all things are possible. They were anything but spiritual. Their relationship with each other was difficult and often strained. And they were concerned with personal and professional acceptance and status. In general, they had considerable investment in the values of the world. Their lives were hardly in accord with anything that the Course advocates. Yet The Course in Miracles has become a book that individuals far and wide go to to allow themselves to find ways to peace through forgiveness. My guest today is Carol Howe. She is an author, counselor, and student teacher of A Course in Miracles since 1977 and is noted for her exceptional ability to make course principles come alive with power and relevance, and her presentations continue to inspire and uplift those who seek peace of mind both at home and abroad. She's the author of several books, including Healing the Hurt Behind Addictions and Compulsive Behaviors, Homeward to an Open Door, Exploring Major Principles of A Course in Miracles, and now her latest, Never Forget to Laugh, Personal Recollections of Bill Thetford, Co-Scribe of A Course in Miracles. Bill Thetford, Co-Scribe of A Course in Miracles, was masterful at using laughter in the most effective, kindly, and healing way, both for himself and everyone around. Bill was brilliant and famous in his field of research, and he, along with Helen, created this Course in Miracles or allowed it to come through them so that individuals on the planet can understand how to reach an area of themselves allowing conflict to be uh, taken away because it all is merely a choice. I'd like to welcome Carol Howe, author of Never Forget to Laugh, Personal Recollections of Bill Thetford. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. Well, welcome, Carol. This is a great book. You know, I've I've followed The Course in Miracles and utilize it very much myself. And to now have a more intimate connection to one of the, the scribes of this was really powerful for me. And I'm sure that you're getting that from a lot of people that are picking up this book. Actually, I am. A number of people have said they craved the backstory back when it first came out. And and I'm sure there are others who feel like the material is so important it stands on their own that who brought it forward is immaterial as far as they're concerned. But I feel like it makes the course much 
richer, in a sense, to understand uh, the whole milieu out of which it came. Well, and what I got from it as well is so often we teach what we need to learn. And in, in looking at a person's life, that this would come through and understanding where they needed to forgive or where they needed to find peace, it's what makes the work so meaningful for them to want to continue to bring it through themselves. And I think in being able to see that, a person can look at their own lives and perhaps place some meaning on the many events that occur for themselves and allow things to birth through them that are wanting to birth through. You know, you're so correct. And one of the things that, uh, that I w- there were many reasons for doing the book, but one of them was to indicate Bill's life in his earlier days and, and through his middle days as well was not an easy one at all. It was filled with challenges. And so to, to dispel the idea that either his early life was charmed or that somehow he got a free pass and didn't have to do the same work that all the rest of us have to do. We, we want that out of the way. And I'm sure he would say, if he were here with us, and of course he is in every sense of the word, except for the flesh, um, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Well, and he did face a lot of challenges um, in, in losing a sister, in having to deal with his own illnesses, and much of what the Course speaks about is releasing our grievances, that we're Absolutely. so attached to our grievances. And so he had a life where there would have been perhaps a uh, thought or connection to holding on to many grievances. I'm sure he, like all the rest of us, thought that our grievances were justified, that our perspective on things is accurate, and and that and that it's truly the other person's fault, where nothing in our culture teaches us how we participate in the conflict that we often seem to be in. And the Course is masterful at helping us see that before there can be a conflict with another person, there must first be conflict within myself. And the Course is designed to cool down that conflict within myself, which then, of course, is mirrored in happier and more peaceful relationships with all the people who populate my personal universe. Well, now, the Course definitely lays out a specific plan to liberate happiness and peace of mind. And Bill was very committed to this whole process, not just in helping to co-scribe the Course in Miracles text, but within his own life. He really desired to find places of forgiveness and peace. He did, and it's important to say that in the early days, in his early days before the course came, that wouldn't have been a goal of his at all. It would have been to succeed in the world like, like for everyone else, and he was a very famous professor. And once the course started coming, of course, that was around the edges of their already frantically busy professional life. And I think in the beginning they had the idea, or he had the idea, I only will speak on his behalf, that, well, I can't really start to do this until it's all here. That was a delay tactic on his part. But well, isn't, isn't that what we all think? <laughs> absolutely, that, when, but, that I really can start this when I get to a certain point. And as things proceeded forward in all of those years in New York, he became more dedicated. But I'll tell you what, it's as if there was a slanting slope up. You know how you see graphs of the stock market and so on. But when he left New York and put that chapter behind him, uh, at least physically behind him. He finally got Helen retired. He took uh, a, a leave of absence, a sabbatical, and finally early retirement himself, and moved to California. Then 
his commitment to practice escalated. It, it increased exponentially. And it was that last 10 years of his life that his dedication was daily. It was focused. It was constant. He, p- people would ask him, well, Bill, now that you're retired, what are you doing? And he would say, I'm practicing forgiveness. And they would look, of course, curious or, or puzzled and not having any idea that practicing forgiveness is a full-time job. <laughs> and if it's not the most important thing we do, then whatever else we do is really quite irrelevant because it's not going to be very successful. That's very powerful. There's a statement that is said, and it is, if you want to see the end of something, look at the beginning. So in the beginning of all of this, what were the steps that actually prepared Bill or made him really the right person to be one of the scribes for the Course in Miracles to come through? Well, uh, first of all, he was brilliant. Um, but, but primary to that, I think Bill and Helen had many experiences where they felt like they had been colleagues and, shall we say, um, students on the path many lives before this one. I think they felt like they were taking up where they left off and that they, they both recognized as radical as this was and as frightening as it was to them in many ways, they both recognized they had made a commitment. Although Bill did not consider himself psychic, he was indeed very, very intuitive. And, of course, Helen had her own amazing skills. They were both very skillful in that whole intuition department. And they, they both recognized very early on that they had promised to do this. So the, the main thing that, that qualified them is that they had promised to do it. <laughs> and, and they had, Helen got the this, this sense in the very beginning that they weren't really fully ready, that their talents had not really blossomed as they, much as they might, but there was no choice, there was no more learning curve possible, that the world was really in a very dangerous place, and they had to give it their all, even though they might have thought themselves not yet prepared. And this did come through a couple of decades ago, so it's almost as if this really came so that the world could be helped, very much for this particular day and time that we're going through. You're exactly right. A number of people who knew Bill for a long time had that feeling that as we come into these disturbing and tumultuous and kind of cataclysmic times that we're in now, that that those who chose to buy into this were being prepared for this for quite a long time. And that, by this time, you see, has been 45 years ago. It began in October, so we're nearing an anniversary of 1965. That's when the transmission began. And then it took seven years for it to to make it to the finished point. And then there was editing and so on, and then the process of getting it printed and that was that entire job was about an 11 year job it was june of 1976 before the first formal published editions were made available well you know how i feel about 11s and if you look at october 1965 that actually turns out to be 10 10 11 which is an 11 11 and being an 11 year job very much identifies that the universe was supporting this in coming through uh, because 
those are master numbers, and this is definitely a text that came from another source. I mean, if you sit down and, and, and the Course in Miracles is not something that you literally just read, it's something that you, you have to sit with, but you couldn't make that stuff up. It, it's just, it goes to a much deeper level than the mind can even comprehend. That is exactly right. I had studied many things for decades before the Course came along, and I have, I, I had developed an ability to kind of sense what seems somebody's intellectual idea and what feels like the truth. And I think the first couple of times I read through the text, I think I I, I read it with a box of Kleenex with me. I, I was so moved by the power of the truth that was coming up through the word, so to speak, that that I would weep from a sense of had nothing to do with sadness or distress. It had everything to do really with weeping from relief at at recovering again once again that sense of truth that's that's here as the core of all of us well there's definitely truth that many of the leading voices in our time when it comes to new thought new thought or self empowerment mm-hmm. self improvement mm-hmm. such as Marianne Williamson such uh-huh. as uh, some of the celebrities like Oprah they're all talking about the course in miracles they're all really working to bring it to the forefront and so i think your book never forget to laugh really allows us to connect to the person, although it's not important, like you said, to know the person. It lets us connect to the reality of the human condition and what we all can experience and the conflicts that we do encounter. And the irony is it is that Bill and Helen really had a charged relationship in 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 working together in oh, the I think that would life. be an, I think that would be an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing that's important for us. It's almost as if the backstory of their lives gives us um, great and valuable information as well, because we we tend to believe that conflict just happens, or we can't help it, or it's thrust upon us, or I don't have any say in the matter. Here's an interesting thing. They had worked together for a number of years, about uh, close to seven years, at Columbia University before the course presented itself into their lives. And although there was this deep sense of connection and actually a very fundamental love and trust that they had in one another, they both were so guilt-ridden and they projected onto the other so that they just lived in constant conflict they just were they were always at war and because they were both so bright and you, you I'm sure you wouldn't want to be in the middle of one of those verbal wars that they might get into but here was the interesting gift that they gave to us they gave to us this story and that is when they were doing their academic work they were at each other's throats when the course began they both recognized the importance of doing nothing whatsoever to interfere with its transmission, with the checking of it, with all that had to be done to try to keep it completely pure so that no human errors, as best they could prevent them, could enter in. And when they were working on the course, all animosity was laid aside. They were patient, they were kind, they were loving, they were supportive, as would be fit working on a work like this. 
And then when they would put that aside and go back to their academic work, they would, they would pick up the war where they had left off. It's almost as if the purity of the message that was coming through would transform them as it was coming through. That's a beautiful way to say it. It absolutely is. They were so dedicated to doing as impeccably as possible what they committed to do, they did allow that work to work on them. I have often said people don't go to the course. The course finds you when you're ready. You know, everybody's path somehow finds them. And... In, in many ways, the Course was working on them, simply being at the frequency at which that uh, work operates, so to speak, was having its healing effect. It was a, just an amazing thing, but it also so illustrates how conflict is a choice. When it's important for us, for whatever reason, to lay it aside, we can Well, it really is a choice, and it's an unfortunate choice that many of us make because it really does leave us feeling very small, very lacking, very lonely and afraid, and it's based on habit or early conditioning. We, We make up these ideas about how we feel or what we think about a situation that occurred and give it much more validity or substance in our lives than perhaps we need to. Absolutely. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. Plus, the other thing, of course, is that conflict is the ego's food. <laughs> so that as long as we want, we see, as long as we see our job as maintaining our sense of separation from all that is, then conflict, conflict is the perfect tool. You know, it allows me to find a reason to be to, to keep you a little bit over here at arm's length, so to speak. And as long as we're feeding the ego, we're going to be starving our true self. That is a that's an excellent way to say it. Indeed, we are. It's an it's an either or proposition. It's a mutually exclusive state, and we simply have not looked at all of the things that we take for granted as as if this is just automatic or I have no choice about it or I'm a victim of it or whatever. And, of course, the purpose of the course is to make us, <clears throat> excuse me, acquainted with much of that early conditioning, the things that we believe, the things that we take for granted. Socrates said, uh, the unexamined life is not worth living. And I would point that in the direction of all of that unconscious material that drives so much of our adult behavior because we have never gone back to look to see, well, how and why did I develop my, my way of being in the world, my coping strategies, my survival skills that are, n- are not necessary as an adult. In fact, they recreate the very same pattern that existed so long ago. So the, the- course is about interrupting that so that we that closed loop so that we can start all over again and the best way that the course points this out is it really has a mirroring nature of our world we are able to see ourselves in the mirror of our relationships or the situations and circumstances that arise and and start to recognize that we are fully responsible for those experiences that are occurring. It's exactly right although this this can be hard to swallow for people who are not used to these ideas I, I do a great deal of counseling, as you might imagine, and with those certainly relationships are at the top of the list of what people find troublesome. And I will tell anybody uh, that your relationship with other people, whoever that may be, always replicates and reflects and mirrors the relationship you're having with you. 
So often we complain that other people reject us or dismiss us or dishonor us, and yet we don't pay attention to how we do that very thing to ourselves. As Bill was going through his process of scribing and and later on the real introspection and work of forgiveness and peace for himself, did he face the the parts, the mirroring parts, head on, or it it had to have still been painful? I mean, we're all human, and and, in trying to face some of those issues, I'm sure there was a degree of pain that he had to walk through to clear some of these issues. Absolutely. That's how he was not different from any of the rest of us, and... One of the unfortunate things that we've learned early on and have never questioned is uh, the the purpose, you might say, or the way pain in our lives can lead us quickly to healing. We simply have a knee-jerk response to pain to fix it, hide it, make it go away, run to your addictions, take some more pills, do whatever you do, not realizing that if I'm willing to walk right into that pain or whatever verb you choose to employ, whether it's embrace it or dive into it or fully accept it or whatever, that doing that, joining with rather than trying to separate yourself from that experience allows it to be transformed. And you might say part of you, we have to just use simple language, part of us that's locked up behind there now has a place to show up. So we need to be very much re-educated about dealing with and facing and exploring and uh, welcoming those uh, feeling levels that are unpleasant. If we just call them something besides painful, it might even make a difference. You know, language is powerful. If we call them learning experiences or something, and whether that's physical or emotional pain, but absolutely all of the above he dealt with, and he did so gloriously, steadily. He, m- many of us might call ourselves students of A Course in Miracles, and at some point we want to m- graduate or matriculate from being students to being practitioners. I was doing a retreat in St. Louis uh, two or three months ago, and, and a very sweet man very candidly said, well, I've been a student of A Course in Miracles for several years but I think I'm a little afraid to practice it. Mm. And I thought, how lovely, first of all, to be so honest and to recognize that ego mind says, beware, you don't know what you're getting into. You know, you don't know what kind of a cliff you might be jumping off. Well, and, of course, it's, it's, it's warning us because it does not want us to look at it and say, well, what a lot of nonsense you are. I don't think I'll listen to you anymore. Well, Carol, now to, to to give the distinction, because many people may not see the distinction between being the student and then becoming the practitioner. So the, the, explain the distinction, the distinction is, is that being a student is an intellectual process. And one of the things that, that being, uh, get, getting involved with the courses is going to do is that it's going to bring us right into some difficult situations. In fact, I tell all new students, not to be surprised if some circumstances in your life, and these aren't theoretical circumstances, they're at your, your actual daily circumstances, might seem like it's getting worse rather than better. <laughs> like, well, what's the big idea with this? I, I, I thought I was going to go on to sweetness and bliss and light. It's like, you will, but you have to let go of some things in, in the process. There's the beginning of the... 
in the introduction, one of the sentences said, this course is not about teaching the meaning of love because that's beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. I am with my guest today, Carol Howe, who is a close friend of Bill Thetford and an ACM, ACIM student and teacher for 32 years. She is known for her gift of clarifying and enlivening the spiritual practice, inspiring and uplifting those who seek peace of mind. You can connect to Carol Howe and this wonderful new book, Never Forget to Laugh, uh, talking about the co-scribe Bill Thetford, at her website, neverforgettolaugh.com or carolhowe.com. Carol Howe is spelled H-O-W-E at the end, and the primary website is neverforgettolaugh.com. She will be presenting a workshop in Boston, October 16th, and that is on both websites. And if you'd like to order the book, you can order it through the websites or on Amazon. It's also available as an ebook on Kindle and soon to be available uh, by Apple on the iPad. So you can pull out your iPad and watch it. What it says in The Course in Miracles is nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. We'll be right back with Carol Howe and never forget to laugh. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you a mom or a mom-to-be? If so, a lot of questions and concerns may be going through your mind. So much information. How do we get it all straight? Tune in to A Labor of Love, Expectations for Pregnancy and Parenting with host Karen Engstad. Our program will take you from the first steps of pregnancy to the first steps of your child. We'll cover unique topics as well, including using the law of attraction during pregnancy, elimination communication, and more. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You are listening 
1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. All those who knew Bill and Helen during the time of the course transcription were captivated by their ability to immediately cease fighting when they worked with the course. Instead of endlessly bickering, usually Helen would attack and Bill would defend. They would instantly become patient, gentle, cooperative, and supportive. We need to look at our choices. Peace of mind has not been a priority. We behave as if conflict is thrust upon us, that it comes unbidden or somehow is inevitable. In many cases, it is simply preferred, however loudly we may protest that statement. After all, conflict is the ego's most basic need. Our conflicts seem to define us, and we secretly wonder who we would be without them. It seems sacrificial to let go of grievances, as if the others would win, which we believe they do not deserve, and we're left looking weak or pathetic. There is something seductive about being the innocent victim and endlessly telling our stories of being wronged. And under that is the profound fear of the quiet, where we might come to face-to-face with our own pain and distress. The drama of conflict seems the lesser of two evils. Still, conflict is merely a choice, an unfortunate one, as Bill made abundantly clear because it leaves us feeling small, lacking, lonely, and afraid. That choice is based on habit, our early conditioning, unexamined notions about ourselves, and tragic misinformation. My guest today is Carol Howe. She's the author of a wonderful new book entitled Never Forget to Laugh, Personal Recollections of Bill Thetford, co-scribe of A Course in Miracles. You can connect to her at neverforgettolaugh.com. I urge you to get this book because it gives you an intimate look at Bill Thetford's life as this work was coming through him. And although it's not necessary to know the story of his life, it truly gives a richer, deeper experience of how he worked the process as he created the process. And as you are a student of the Course in Miracles or becoming a student of the Course in Miracles, you will find that sometimes, some days, in the beginning especially, it is very challenging. And I think this book allows an individual to see that we can be human, have our challenges, work through them, and still be able to come out on the other side peaceful, forgiving, and never forgetting to laugh. Carol, we were talking about at the ending of the last segment, removing blocks to awareness and how important that is and how much of a part of A Course in Miracles that is. And I'd love for you to complete that point. Okay. Um, I feel like any sentence that ends up in the introduction to the book is so important that it's worth paying attention to. You know, it's kind of like starting at the beginning. And since it says this book is about removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, blocks that are to be removed must, of course, be identified. And it's amazing the way we manage to somehow go through our lives with blinders on and not see how we are co-creating the experiences we find ourselves in. And and so we, we feel such a victim of things because we're not looking. And one of the things the Course does is help us look at what we really believe how we're really operating, what really are the things that drive us, even if we haven't been aware of it up to this point. So it's, um, it's a great unlearning process. It's unlearning the things that we believe 
that no longer serve us, that we don't need, and that we have the power to change our minds about. Well, and as we do this kind of work and we say yes to ourselves and diving into that inner landscape, we're uh, actually pouring love on ourselves. And the more love we put on, uh, everything unlike love will start to show up. So when we first begin this type of work or any spiritual endeavor, it's necessary to understand that the things that challenge and trigger and feel painful to us may be the first things that show up. They may be a very good friend of mine in Denver a long time ago said that she just said one day, she sat on her sofa and said, I'm going to be the very best that I can be or something to that effect. You know, I'm going to live up to my potential or whatever. And she said, and then the pain began. (laughs) It's like, well, what's the big idea here? Well, what's the big idea is the thing, all of those ways that we, not somebody else, but the way we have blocked our potential or where we have um, followed goals that don't serve us, they start to be highlighted. But they start to be highlighted not uh, for punishment's purposes, but so that we can let them go. And I don't mean just trivial things. Sometimes people will find that uh, they think they're following their guidance to some place and then it turns out to be, you know, they lose their job or they're, you know, they get divorced or whatever happens. And so these are real life circumstances that are associated with a lot of pain. And yet, if we're willing to allow ourselves to be heartbroken or to completely feel an utter sense of loss or giving up or whatever, behind that, more of us comes into our awareness. You see, nothing has ever happened except that we have lost awareness of our true nature. We haven't actually changed our real nature. Our nature hasn't gone anyplace. It's not become flawed in any way, but we've lost track of it. So you might say this is a reclamation project <laughs> with the, the course is in charge of, or it, it helps us liberate what the, the lovingness that's really true about us. So in, a, in effect, we've actually created our own veil that we can't see through. Absolutely. I often, fairly recently, have used an example of, of my uh, younger brother who died of Parkinson's disease a little over six years ago, and the medication one must take for Parkinson's induces hallucinations, and one is told that ahead of time. But once you're in a hallucination, you don't know you're in it. And and he would plead with me to make the people stop crawling in his window and and uh, and to have all the all the staff at the assisted living home he would come into his room and and snakes and rats would be in his closet and the anguish in his voice when he would ask me to make them stop being there to make those things go away and of course none of that was happening and. The Course says you cannot evaluate the situation you're in from inside the system. I, not being part of my brother's hallucination, could see perfectly well there were no snakes or rats or axe murderers or people crawling in the window or anything else. He was getting the best possible care. And so I, I couldn't fix a problem which didn't exist. So when we pray, you know, fix this problem, so to speak, the wisdom outside, if you want to use that preposition, of our time and space little world that we're living in knows that we're hallucinating. 
And well, and we also we need to be awakened from our hallucination. And we also are putting more energy into that problem existing. Just the mere fact of praying for something to disappear is actually affirming its existence in one's It does own. indeed. It's like whatever you put attention on grows larger, whether that's something you're putting attention on because you don't want it or because you do. And just as I could see that the things that my brother feared were not happening, there is the wisdom that that you might say has, in, if you want to think of it this way, has inserted this guide into our sleeping state, knowing perfectly well the things that trouble us so are not the truth about us, and that if we will follow this map, we can be gradually led to a world that cools down, that becomes friendly. As my peace of mind increases, the world mirrors that friendlier, more loving, more peaceful state, and we move ourselves to a place where we can ultimately then be awakened. The but we've course, got to do that interim work. We can't start from where we are now and go immediately to awakening. We need to do the work. The Course clearly states that spiritual direction is always available and actually leading us, but most don't believe they have that capability. A Course in Miracles teaches that the Holy Spirit's voice is as loud as your willingness to listen. It cannot be louder without violating your freedom of choice, which the Holy Spirit seeks to restore, never to undermine. I am with Carol Howe today, the author of Never Forget to Laugh. This is The Recollections and story of Bill Thetford, co-scribe of A Course in Miracles. You can connect to Carol Howe at neverforgettolaugh.com or carolhowe.com. She'll be doing a workshop in Boston October 16th, and you can find out more about that and how to order the book on her website. The Reconnection, the 32nd Mastery Conference, will be held in Los Angeles. This is the annual U.S. Mastery Conference in Los Angeles, October 8th through 10th. Celebrate the reconnection of science, healing, and consciousness and join this one-of-a-lifetime group of world-renowned speakers, authors, scientists, and luminaries. Elevate your health and happiness to new levels and connect to your true healing mastery. Featured speakers will be John Holland, Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, Daniel and Catherine Brinkley, Raymond Moody, William Tiller, Eric Pearl, and more. You can find out more at thereconnection.com. We'll be right back with Carol Howe and a little bit more about her new book, Never Forget to Laugh. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset. 
Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Journey into the realm of spirit, the source of all things. Master fear in these tumultuous times and learn ancient ways to abundant love and healing. Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, will awaken the unique genius within you. Host Christina Pratt challenges you to initiate your innate powers within to gain health, well-being, and joy through the practices of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. Tune in each week to Why Shamanism Now, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on 7th Wave Network. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. With the sudden decision of two people to join in a common goal. Their names were Helen Schuchman and William Thetford. It doesn't really matter who they were, except that the story shows that with God all things are possible. There's a new book, Never Forget to Laugh, authored by Carol Howe. And the part that this does play is in knowing who Bill Thetford was, we're able to understand how this wonderful Course in Miracles came to be, also how to utilize it in our life by seeing the illustration of a gentleman utilize it in his own, and picking up on some of the wonderful characteristics that he was in performing the experience of our own lives. I am with Carol Howe, who is an author, counselor, and student teacher of A Course in Miracles since 1977. She's the author of several books, including Healing the Hurt Behind Addictions and Compulsive Behaviors and Homeward to an Open Door, Exploring Major Principles of A Course in Miracles. Her latest book, Never Forget to Laugh, Personal Recollections of Bill Thetford, co-scribe of A Course in Miracles, is now available, and you can go to her website, neverforgettolaugh.com or carolhow.com, and be able to access the uh, book to order it, as well as some other articles and information. So definitely connect there. Carol, if you had to let us know any particular piece of the book that you truly want people to grasp, or something about Bill that you truly want people to get out of this reading, what would you say that is? You know, it's interesting. I have heard from so many people who have said reading about Bill's life has allowed me to let go, or reading about Bill's life, and then they'll fill in the blank with many things. It's been fascinating to me to see 
how many different people are affected by parts of his life that wouldn't have occurred to me would be um, affecting, so to speak. So it's amazing. But that's one of the reasons, one of the several reasons for writing about him, first of all, that his story be accurate, because in the absence of information, people tend to make stuff up, and there's already misinformation on the Internet. So this is as true a true story because it comes from all the people who knew him. And he had several basic characteristics that aided him, and he was an old soul. He, he brought lots of spiritual capital with him, so to speak. And one of the things that was most noteworthy about him was his absolutely hilarious sense of humor. He was a very, very funny man. And he always had the ability even when he had his own distress to deal with, he was always able to back up, so to speak, and put himself in the observer position and see um, the humorousness, to, to be lighthearted about what was going on. He was not, he never made fun of anybody. In other words, it was never at anybody else's expense, and ex- except perhaps his own. But he would say such things as, I know it's hopeless, just not serious. Mm. Well, and that's probably one of the issues of all of us is we just take ourselves way too seriously Absolutely. in addition to the chaos that we create. Absolutely. We take it so seriously. For a number of the years during the time when the course was coming through, he was a co-editor of the Journal for Abnormal Psychology, and people would submit articles for peer review and whatnot, and he said sometimes they would, they would reject articles on the grounds that they were not sufficiently scientific. And <laughs> he just would laugh out loud over the ridiculous situation of bringing forward, you know, in his office with the door shut and locked and the shades pulled down, this most unscientific of treatises, while at the other hand having to say, no, you're, this particular document is not sufficient. In other words, he was able to see the ridiculousness of so much of our lives. He also was amazing in his ability to, as he grew, this is particularly in the last 10 years when this was very important to him to to be diligent in his practice, he was just able to be completely accepting of everybody and everything. And that had a very profoundly healing effect on a lot of people. A lot of people had physical and all sorts of other ailments and whatnot seemed to just vanish in Bill's presence. And you know why? Because when someone is so completely supportive and accepting of you, it's very hard to hold on to your own sense of, I'm not okay. When somebody is so present with you and is so obviously enjoying being with you, it's much more difficult to maintain the, I'm a guilty, fearful little nobody. Well, and from the other standpoint, when we view those around us, whether it's our children or our parents or friends, in a certain way, particularly a judgmental way, we keep them locked in their circumstance. We but if certainly we can do. change how we are on the inside, how we feel on the inside toward them, and we shift ourselves, everything around us then also has the ability to shift. And that is automatic. That's one of the things that's promised us, which is why... There is a lesson entitled, When I'm Healed, I'm Not Healed Alone. So that as he uh, continued to cultivate his 
amazing ability to just be present with no agenda, no expectations, no requirements of you, simply being there, enjoying your company. It's such an unusual experience to be around someone who has mastered or was in the process of mastering the art of no expectation, no judgment, no requirements, no this is the way it has to be, just showing up, being present, and everything exactly as it is, it's just fine with him. Well, Actually, that's too small a statement. It's like they're not really words to describe his ability to be accepting of a person. Well, one of the biggest statements, too, that I, I felt throughout the course of the book was his ability to surrender. And that began from the time he was a young child where he was flat on his back and he was ill and he had to just really surrender to being on that mattress and surrounded by four walls. And it seems that our spiritual journey is a continuous process of surrender, not giving up of ourselves, but releasing the very veils that we created. Absolutely. That is why this is an unlearning process. This is not about learning 1,500 pages of facts. It's a guide to unlearning the limitations that we have taken on, often from our pre-verbal days, that's a kind of an accretion that's that's built up around us, and we haven't even realized that, and we don't know, therefore, that we have the option of being free because we haven't had an experience of it. And and with every judgment and resistance and objection, you know, we add more bars to our jail, and this is about taking dismantling our own private jail. Thank you so much, Carol Howell, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. Definitely go out and get your copy of Never Forget to Laugh and learn about the story of Bill Thetford and this beautiful journey in creating A Course in Miracles. You can connect with Carol at NeverForgetToLaugh.com or CarolHowe.com. Order your copy today. Also, if you're not familiar with A Course in Miracles, you can go to their website, CourseInMiracles.com, and you can research and uh, download many of the lessons and start to begin your own journey so that you may unlearn all that you have thought was what was yours to know. It has been a pleasure speaking with you this week. My guest next week is Sylvia Brown. So until then, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.